Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And, well, are you sure you're an Arsenal fan, Jason? Because I have sworn (laughs) that I saw video footage of you at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on a Sunday singing along with the Spurs fans as Tottenham strolled to a 1-0 victory over Manchester City. Was that you or or am I seeing things? There are a lot of people who look like me. I have a lot of doppelgangers out there. Um, I was almost going to misspeak myself as well and say, am I an Arsenal fan? I've had a bit of a... And a footballing existential crisis the past week, but um, I can confirm there were there were songs about Harry Kane. I did join in, and uh, may have even been a stand up and a, a, an applause for a for a certain South Korean uh, wizard. Uh, yeah. For for, the, for any listeners who are unaware, uh, I unfortunately was not at the Spurs City game on Sunday, but Jason went behind enemy lines and was there. So rather than asking you about the Arsenal game, although I have plenty to ask you about that as well. I'm going to start, Jason, by asking you about the Spurs game and about your experience at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. What was it like going to a proper football stadium to see a proper football club? Well, I guess it makes sense to talk about the day in chronological order. So the club very generously have a shuttle from certain areas that goes straight to the stadium um, for free of charge. Very generous. Don't have to do that. Many clubs don't. Um, did I enjoy that? No. I had to wear a mask for, for an hour, half an hour. Um stuck with people not socially distancing and uh you know it's like back to the good old days of football um then i was like okay like arsenal you queue you go for your turnstile oh no let's just have a free-for-all at spurs let's let's go into these like big like massacre of people just all prodding towards the stairs and then they're kind of like no stop start stop nobody's looking at any tickets at all nobody's checking anyone we go up the stairs I'm getting my NHS pass ready, my, my phone ticket ready. They don't even work the tickets. He's The guy grabs my phone, he starts like playing around with it, gets me in. I think, oh God, I'm exhausted by now. I think I need a drink. Um, so before I'm in the stadium, it's an absolute mess and a bit of a joke, to be honest. Um, then when I got into the stadium, well, it's uh, it reminds me a little bit of Wembley. It's got that feel to it. Um, your your fake home for a couple of years seasons, and I was impressed. I, I the first thing I said to my friend who, who kindly took me was, I said to him, "This is so unfair. Your your club and the reputation of your club and the performances of the club do not match the stadium. It doesn't make any sense to me." That was my initial thought. I was like, "This can't be Spurs Stadium." Um, so in terms of the the you know the aesthetics, lovely, beautiful, comfy seats, amazing screens. Um, proper views, yeah. I mean, it's as far as stadiums go. Food was decent as well. I did, I did, I did sample um, the culinary delights. Um, I saw the, I saw the little pop-up thing, the uh, pint thing, the magnets. That's pretty cool. Um, kind of another another way to detract fans from from what's actually going on in the pitch. Um, but I think worst of all was that I was going there thinking, oh, what a joy to watch Jack Grealish have his debut and City destroy Spurs. And, you know, um, what a time to be there. This is That was why I bought the ticket. I was ready to, to you know, take pictures and videos and sing and along with the City vans, um, probably to my, my detriment. Um, and it was an absolute disaster. I mean, I, well, before I forget, I mean, one of the stories I, I was I was... 
I think, you know, the guy next to me, I don't think knew I was an Arsenal, I hope he didn't know I was an Arsenal fan. And my friend obviously did. And I was kind of chatting, watching the game. And I said, I'll just take 120 million for Kane already. What are you doing? And the guy next to me said, oh, 120 million. If he wants to go, they'll have to pay out. I thought, oh, my God, I've started. what have I started now for these Spurs fans? I might watch the game, mate. Um, it was. It made me feel a bit sick, actually. The songs, the arrogance, and I'm going to upset you here, but it was a rubbish game. It was absolutely rubbish. City could not string a pass together. You know, Jack Greenish had a few good runs in the, in the, in the first half um, into the box and didn't come kind of come to fruition. But there was there was no flow. They clearly are struggling without an out and out striker from what I saw. Um, Spurs, I saw nothing, to be honest. Lucas Moura looked decent. Um, Tanganga was fantastic. Man the match by a mile, you know, defensively. Um, attacking wise, he looked dangerous. Thought he was really good. Bergevine was appalling. I mean, like, no, did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Um, and Hummin Son, I don't think looked that good apart from his goal. I thought he looked he looked out of sorts. He looked a bit lost. Um, I just I, I think it was a from my personal view. I think it was more a case of Spurs won because City played badly rather than Spurs playing amazingly and outplaying City, if that makes sense. And you know that is obviously the view that's coming from an Arsenal fan, but. You know, unless I was watching with literal uh, red-tinted spectacles, I just thought it was it was a, it was a toss of the coin, and unfortunately, I had to be there um, for it. But yeah, it was uh, it was nice to be in the stadium, not nice to the final result. And um, oh god, walking through that stadium when you won and all the fans smiling, um, yeah, it, it brings tears to my eyes, and not the good ones. But I guess uh, what was the, what was your feeling from? Uh, from, a, from, a, from behind the sofa, you know, were you, were you petrified? And once you saw the goal, you thought, we can do this, we're going to win the league, and then the Champions League, and Nuno's going to be manager of the year, and Harry Kane's going to stay, we love us in all. <laughs> well, it's funny, because before the game started, I actually had this sneaking feeling that we might do something. And I remember when, when we last spoke, and we were kind of doing our, our season predictions, and I, and I said to you that we'd had a better pre-season people thought because people looked at our summer and all they saw was the the shambolic manager search and the Harry Kane saga but I've been saying that on the pitch we've had a decent pre-season the results have been good the, the performances have been good and when I saw the lineups I, I looked I mean I looked at the Spurs team and I was worried about Darren Sanchez at the heart of the defense but I looked at the City team as well and I thought you know Ake and, Men- and Mendy you can get them uh, Fernandinho's getting on a bit now Grealish mm. making his debut you know will he be quite up to speed and that front three of, of Sterling, Mares, and and Torres, I thought, you know, you know, that's just kind of three wingers. We, you know, we can we can keep mm. them out. And I was kind of thinking, you know what? We, and when I was watching on TV, and I I saw the teams come out, and City get booed, and Spurs get mm. cheered on in that atmosphere, and I thought, you know, I, I think we can we can get something today. And and we've seen it. City do not like coming to that stadium, no. and I think that City team are quite easily rattled. If there's a, a strong atmosphere, we, we saw it when they've played Liverpool at Anfield. I think they're quite an easily rattled team, that City team. And, and you know, obviously they had players missing. I mean, if, if maybe if De Bruyne had been fit and playing the whole game, they, they would have got the breakthrough. But it was quite a good time to play City as well. They are quite slow starters relatively to other teams in the league. So I just had this feeling. And then the first half, it, it looked, I kind of agree with you about Chung Min Sun in terms of the first half. It felt like he wasn't kind of 
really going for it. And you, you could see why both sides wanted Harry Kane, because every, mm. you know, every time it got towards the, the penalty box, both teams were kind of fluffing their lines. And you thought yeah. this game's going to be a perfect example of why we want to keep Kane and why they want to buy Kane. But then the second half, we got that breakthrough. And I think what really showed was, you know, we grew into that game. I felt like we got better as the game went on, where City got worse. And, and when mm. it got towards the end of the game and City were the team who needed to chase an equaliser, but we were the team attacking more. Yeah. And I think we, we, we were fitter, we were stronger, we were better organised, and I feel like we were more motivated as well. And I feel like the team, both individually and collectively, had a point to prove. And I think it felt like the whole team and Nuno and everybody just making a point about, you know, we're not the Harry Kane team that Pep Guardiola described us as. And, you know, we're not just going to drift off into irrelevance. You know, we're, we're still here and we're still going to compete. And you mentioned Jafet Tanganga, who I think, you know, as you said, he set the tone from from the beginning with his tackles on Sterling and Grealish. I mean, he kept the, the £100 million man in his pocket. And, you know, he's someone who apparently we were about to send off on loan to Galatasaray for the season. I mean, thank God that hasn't happened because I think he's far and away our best right back. I can't imagine Serge Aure or Matt Doherty being able to do do the job that he did. And so it felt like he was proving a point. But then also Dyer and Sanchez, I said, I saw, you know, looked at them on the team sheet before the game and was fearing the worst. But they were solid. You know, Skip coming back from his loan, wants to break into the first team. Thought he looked a little bit out of his depth in the first few minutes, but then grew, you know, like the rest of the team, grew into the game. Uh, Deli Ali, you know, so-called lazy trainer, according to Mourinho in All or Nothing. But I saw afterwards he covered more ground than any other player. Hyungmin Son stepping up once again in Kane's absence to get the goal. And it kind of felt like it was, uh, you know, e- each player individually, but then as a group collectively, just proving a point and, and, and you know, making a point to everyone who's been kind of, you know, understandably, but but no less annoyingly sort of mocking us and, and writing us off all summer. And it was just so satisfying to beat City without Harry Kane, given everything that's gone on this summer. It felt, yeah, it just felt so good. And it was, I, you know, you asked me last time we spoke about opening day memories and what my kind of memories were of Spurs on the opening day. And I talked about losing 1-0 to newly promoted Sunderland. And for the most part, in my time supporting Spurs, our opening days have usually been disappointing defeats or draws. This, I think, was without doubt the best opening uh, result that we've had in a season in my time supporting the club, just in terms of what it meant because of the, the, the calibre of the opposition, the context behind it. I know it's just one game and, and you know, we shouldn't get carried away. And like you said, City weren't at it. And, you know, I, I, it's not enough to make me kind of revisit or, or change my my predictions. I think it could still be a hard season. It wouldn't surprise me if we go and lose to Wolves, all the rest of it. But it felt like more than three points purely because of, I think, the build up to the game and everything that we've been through with the manager search and Mourinho and the Super League. And it felt like that togetherness coming back again. And in that kind of last minute when we were crunching into tackles, you know, Sanchez and, and the Celso and Skip on, on De Bruyne and just not giving City an inch. I, you know, I was on my sofa and I was cheering and applauding those tackles. And it, it almost felt a bit like the Pochettino days in that kind of final minute when everyone was waving the flags, the tackles were going in, we were, you know, we were bossing them physically. And it just felt like that, that return to what we used to sort of stand for and be like, before things went sour under Poch and before the kind of failed Mourinho experiment. So yeah, it felt it felt really good. And and from my perspective, it felt all the sweeter knowing that that you were there to to witness. <laughs> well, absolutely. I can I can reflect 
what you saw in terms of that defensive kind of solidity and yeah you looked hungry to get the result once it had got to the 60th minute and City weren't looking like scoring you know there was this extra bit of motivation I think as you say um, and definitely the atmosphere played a part I mean it was again it was sickening but the flags and the whole you know everyone was was positive it gave uh, the fans something to sing about and um, I mean for me it, it, it would be typical Spurs to go and lose 1-0 to Wolves away and Nuno's return um, and then make that result basically void. Um, but yeah, I'm glad I'm glad the Spurs fans have the memory and have something to sing about. Um, and if that's the 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 most trophiness they get this season, uh, then long may you enjoy it, I say. Well it, it was it was a brilliant way for me to to end the opening weekend, but also the weekend was bookended beautifully, ending with that, but starting on Friday night with the Brentford Arsenal game. And to your credit, Jason, you did predict that Brentford would win 2-0. But did that predictability, in a way, make what happened even more depressing from your point of view? Because I have to say, it was it was a lovely Friday evening for me, but I'm guessing for you, it, it wasn't so enjoyable. I do think I forgot my uh, my face shield today, my, my bulletproof vest for this podcast. It's... Uh, <laughs> A very anti-Arsenal one, I must be honest with you. Um, I felt apathy, absolute apathy, watching that. I kind of, it was one of those games again that I've been having with Arsenal for a while, where you you watch the screen and you're there for 90 minutes, but psychologically you're just not there. I was watching and I was seeing, but I wasn't consuming. I, I it just felt same old you know you know from the first minute they're up for it we're not up for it first of all starting with the lineup I mean <laughs> Aubameyang and Lacazette being out at the same time I, I have no comment whether whether whatever's been going on at the club um health wise you know you, th- you I, I thought you know you, you put everyone in cotton wool the week before the Premier League opener especially when there's been a lot of uh, virus going around, but never mind. Okay, who do we put in? You start with Balogun, and to be honest, I was excited. You know, to have Smith Rowe, um, Balogun, Martinelli, um, Pepe. Like you know, it looked it looks exciting. Lukonga, and on paper, I thought, okay, it's pretty much done by merit. Let's let's go do something. And and yeah, you're right. You know. It's so much more depressing knowing that you could call it, you know, the right back was schooled many times. We knew that was going to happen. We've said it all pre-season. The goalkeeper's not good enough. You know, caught is near post. Not being strong enough to push the whoever was in front of him away and go collect the ball. I mean, you can tell he doesn't want to be there. It's so embarrassing. Ben White, I'm, I'm going to give a pass here. Because he clearly doesn't play well in whatever system we played. You know, it's not like uh, every week when he's playing for Brighton, people are saying that he was doing what he was doing against us. It's clearly a system thing. Tierney looked a bit lost. Shaka, anonymous. Um, and yeah, we just, we just didn't look like scoring goals, unfortunately. You know, there were a couple of good chances. I mean, for me, for me the highlight was watching Smith Rowe turn drive and shoot you know that's something he needs to work on and I know the club are working behind the scenes I've heard on it but he's got the raw talent and for our youngest player basically 
to be driving the team like that is an is it it's an insult in terms of what on earth are the senior players doing they're taking their position for a ride i mean pablo mari shouldn't be near the first team he's probably the first choice the second choice defender i mean it's it's all a bit shambolic and uh the only shock of the night was Ivan Tony didn't score. Other than that, you could have seen it. New stadium, new bars, the manager saying all the right things. Um, our presser beforehand was so uninspiring. You know, Arteta basically saying our team's not ready. We haven't got who we need in. Um, why the week after we go and sign the goalkeeper and the creative midfielder we need, which might have got us over the line against Brentford, or at least snuck something. Um, not that that's good enough. I, I just don't get it. You know, where's how in negotiations for a couple of mil has that changed in a few days? And now we go into the point of the season already where you've got a back to back, unlikely to get any points, three games, zero points, probably bottom of the league. And then if the transfer window slams shut and they decide we want a new manager. A new manager stuck with what he's got. Now, what is the saving grace? I think the only saving grace is the manager leaving. I don't think he can turn it around. And if he does stabilise the ship, I don't think we're doing anything exciting. And I think now is the only time where we have a bit of potential to reshape things. And I personally believe that if we sign a right back, maybe sign a centre back and sign a striker, and a new manager comes in, they'll be able to take those tools and take it into something that might be able to fight for something this year. But I think the Arteta experiment started amazingly. It was very pragmatic. We won the FA Cup. But last year, the whole year wasn't good enough, really. Um, you know, everyone's saying, what a shift the second half of the season. But that was actually what the minimum expectation should be. Um, does he deserve this beginning of the season? Just about but he won't last the season, in my opinion. And it's uh, it's amazing we're saying this after one game, but we're not really saying this after one game. It's you know it's been an accumulation of, and the truth is, you could see in pre-season we weren't improving. Um, you saw the profile players we brought in, and yeah, I mean I was listening to the podcast back earlier from last week, and I was calling out Spurs for having a bad pre-season and calling it a mess, but I think that was just complete and utter. Um, transference because Arsenal were the mess of the club um, and a few weeks before he'd be speaking as a uh, managerless club um, with a poor squad with players who don't want to be there and overpaid and, and, it, and it's same old and uh, you know people are saying well who are you going to sign who are you going to bring in I thought maybe Ollie Watkins he's not the main man anymore he's a gooner go bring him in God knows how much he'll cost now that we've We've uh, thrown our hand at all the English players um, and how much they've cost. Um, and then manager, you know, I told you, but what better story and all or nothing. You sack your manager, the club's in turmoil, needs stabilisation. Mr. Arsene Wenger, step forward, I believe. So, I don't know. It feels like this is an all or nothing season. But not like a city one I was watching this week where it's, you know, it's lots of glory and lots of joy, and lots of partying, lots of motivational speeches. This looks like it's going to be a clown one, a bit like Spurs, a bit like Spurs, to be honest. Spurs is a funny one. 
Um, but I don't think we'll even be as good as that because I don't even know if we have the characters that Spurs have. Um, I just think it's going to be showing an organisational mess and, um, you know, the remnants of it. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what maybe even Wenger thinks about the club when he watches all nothing and, and looks in and thinks, oh my God, is this the culture I left? Was this my fault? Or is this something completely different? Um, truth is, remember, Fergie left with a decent structure in place, I thought. I mean, I know it was quite abrupt, but at least he had some winners in there. Um, and they, they, maybe they made the wrong appointment, but Wenger left us years and years and years too late. And, um, you know, if he'd left five years ago, I reckon we would be in Liverpool's position, probably with Klopp or Pep. Um, ideally not in Liverpool's position right now, but, but in terms of the grand stature and, and the quality of players, um, it's a mess. But yeah, going back to the, the Brentford game specifically, and I'd love to know your thoughts. Um, I was going to say from a neutral, but let's be honest, Brentford till you die. Um, you know, it, it, it was shambolic and it was expected. And I don't think even Brentford fans and the management were even surprised or shocked, which is shocking in itself. So yeah, same old Arsenal. Um, I'm not delighted, to be honest any stretch of the imagination. Um, I've actually, I think I mentioned to you a long time ago, I'd, I'd got rid of a lot of my old Arsenal shirts, just didn't want them anymore, whatever, they're old, whatever. And I bought a kit and it arrived the other day and it, I bought medium and it arrived children's medium. I thought, really? This just sums it up. So I returned it and I was like, I tried on every kit in Sports Direct. There are other sport kit retailers and didn't like them every single one and i don't know whether it was the thought of oh, buying another arsenal shirt or just ask like the kits didn't suit me and i ended up buying online a retro shirt of the 04 season with Henri on the back and it's arriving soon and i think that sums up my state at the moment of you know looking back to better days of arsenal um, and i will watch because I enjoy my football and that, you know, as long as there's hope, um, you know, it's going to take a lot now and it's uh, certainly going to take a lot more than Aaron Ramsdale and Martin Odegaard um, to turn me, uh, to get me back in love with this football club, to be honest. I mean, yeah, as I said earlier, it, it was, it was very entertaining viewing for me. And I think, the only thing that, that stopped me from being as sure as you were that Brentford would win was my kind of innate Spursy sense of not wanting to jinx things. I, I was thinking, oh, I hope it's not. I almost thought before it kicked off that it might be similar to you because you played Fulham, didn't you, when you promoted the first game of last season? And uh, destroyed them. Yeah. yeah. So and I thought, oh, maybe there'll be a repeat performance. But I think, like you said, it was the atmosphere that made things different. And I think Jamie Carragher said on commentary that, that people always used to talk about Spursiness, but that, you know, that term applies more to Arsenal now than it does to us. And he said, he said after the uh, the second goal, didn't he, with the, the long throw in, he said it was just Arsenal. It was typical Arsenal. And I felt like you could see it. You got, you got bullied. You got, in a way, it was kind of the opposite of with us with City. You know, there was one team who you saw who just seemed to, to want it more. And, you're probably right that it's unfair to criticise Ben White so early, but I did find it amusing that the the £50 million defender looked so 
not out of his depth, but just, I mean, okay, maybe Leno is more at fault for that second goal. Or there's, there's a few different people, some people even saying it, it shouldn't have stood. But the, the way the ball just bounced, over, you know, went straight over Ben White, I'm not even sure he jumped for it, was rather amusing for me. Also in the, in the first half, when was it Mbwemo or someone did a bit of mm. trickery and kind of just left Ben White for dead and then dragged his shot wide. Um, but I think the thing that really kind of stood out to me about that Arsenal performance was that there just doesn't seem to be any leaders in the team. You know, Bamiyang and Lacazette are probably meant to be two of your senior pros. They they weren't there for illness. Okay, fair enough if, if they're ill. Um, and, and your best players, you know, Smith Rowe and Saka, you know, it, all your, your best players are, are young. And it just seems like there's no kind of experienced pro there who's setting the right example. Granite Shaka. Granite Shaka was given the captaincy and the example, the man that swears at his own fans. That's your example of leadership. Well, exactly. And, and he's someone you, you know, was out halfway out the door earlier in the summer and, and now he's sticking around. And I just feel like to an extent, even though I've been quite critical of Arteta, I think to an extent, until there's a bit of a culture shift in the dressing room, I'm not sure which manager it's his job, it's, his job. it's the manager's job to create a culture that is that is the manager's job <laughs> essentially he has all these coaches you know i heard arteta basically turned sterling into what he was so i know that these coaches are, are doing them on the day-to-day a manager of a football club surely is is the is responsible for the culture and you know if if time and time again you're bringing the same type of people in and out then what do you expect? I just don't understand. And does that come from a, a higher power that, you know, a board level s- sets the tone? And if you've got board members and, and kind of people responsible for off the pitch decisions, um, cascading out cascading like a culture of lack of accountability, then of course, that's what you're going to get in the dressing room and whatnot. Is this but, also know, not a, a problem with having a guy who is in his first managerial job as well I mean I know he worked at City under Pep but to have your first managerial job be a club the size of Arsenal mm-hmm. in the kind of position you guys are in right now where it is a bit of a, a rebuild maybe that inexperience maybe it's not a coincidence that it's the young players who are doing well under him and the more experienced ones who seem to have you know not not performing for him I yeah mean, yeah I mean well listen I guess it is that that case of young players need coaching and nurturing and improving and, and a young manager who has these ideas, you know, I'm sure he's a lot more, you know, cause he's done his coaching badge and badge recently. He's a lot more to the book probably um, with those ideas. And he probably is improving these guys. But when you get to the experienced players, this is why, you know, the top players in history have played for top, top managers. Um, and they, they have that impasse because it's just that intuition. It's beyond what does my tactics manual say? It's, it's about how do I have to manage him? How do I stroke his ego? How do I create the balance? And it sounds like Arteta, again, kind of went to the book and said, I have non-negotiables. And then what he did was, and Unai Emery almost did the same thing, funnily enough. Um, I have non-negotiables, but then when it suits me, I'm going to overlook those. So you can't drop an Urzel we can and he did and say it's attitude problems or da, 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 da. but then when something like Shaka did and I understand there, there you have to have compassion and you know people can have redemption but he, has he earned that redemption so are there non-negotiables and once you go back on that you know I'm sure all the senior players lose respect 
And let's be honest, the younger players are probably loving it and, you know, wanting him for the job because he's giving them a chance. You know, as soon as he starts turning on a Saka or Smith row, you know, game over. And I think it's already happened. You know, Martin Elliott, he certainly wasn't having last year. I know Gabrielle as well, the defender, a couple of mistakes and he was out. Um, I think he's lost the dressing room. It seems like it. You can, you can, it just looks like they, they can, as they say, you can, they can smell blood um, and they know it's only a matter of time now. And yeah, it was, it, it's been a failure because I loved that trophy when that FA Cup was very, very special. But ultimately, if you were looking to build Arsenal again post Wenger, um, we've made two bad decisions now. We've, we've gone, we went to Moyes, we did a Moisey. I was having all that time to prepare who would be the successor for Arsene Wenger. We went for the Moyes option, knowing that was the option we shouldn't have gone for. Then we decided what we probably could have done at the first place and gone for a young talent, but didn't put the right people around him and then promoted him as matter manager before he even really had the chance to do it. Um, so what is the next step? I don't know. Do you go for a proven manager? Do you go and poach uh, Jose back? from Roma and say, go on, go on. I mean, he's the perfect person, probably. That sort of personality to make this club winning again and uh, to add a bit of fire, because I think that's what they need. And I don't know who's out there anymore. I mean, we're not getting a Nagelsmann. We're not getting an Ancelotti. Conte, he's the only one who I could see exciting the fans. But if he didn't go to Spurs because of money issues, he's certainly not going to Arsenal. Um, so we have a problem. I feel Does like Thierry Henry um, come in. I mean, it's a disaster. Well, yeah, I mean, Thierry Henry would be, but but that's the thing. I mean, after Arteta, it's do you go for the the former player route? I mean, I would have thought someone like you mentioned Ancelotti, and I'm going to mention another Everton manager now, Rafa Benitez. <laughs> they seem like the kind of guys who maybe would have been able to handle the Arsenal job at this moment in time, having yeah. the 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 body of work behind them to command the respect of of the dressing room and having that experience having been at big clubs to kind of know how to handle maybe all of the the politics as well both in the dressing room and the boardroom mm-hmm. um but i don't think either of those obviously are particularly well, attainable I, now I, both I mean, started new jobs i mean you do know we're going for eddie howe or graham potter we're doing a spurs but, but i mean and, maybe they'll turn out to be the right pick in the in the long run you never know I don't know, they could do what Pochettino did with Spurs. And I guess someone like, they might say, OK, Potter was able to coach Ben White. He's our record defender signing, whatever. Let's let's put him in the sea. I mean, a Sean Dyche? I don't know. <laughs> oh, a short... Sean Dyche Arsenal would be... Uh... But, I mean, but, Sam I, but I mean, Spurs have got Nuno. So, I don't know. You know, United have this amateur manager who's only got the job and kept the job because he's a legend of the club. Let's be honest. You know, doesn't matter about the name really, as long as they can do the job and they have the ideas. So I, I say Sean Dyche to Arsenal, bring it on. Sean Dyche to Arsenal. Sean I mean, Dyche you were saying earlier about bringing Wenger back. Is, is Wenger out become now Wenger in? Wenger in. I mean, in terms of a cultural thing, maybe, but I think it'd be an absolute disaster because once you go back, it's almost saying we can never move forward without this guy. Um, I, I think it's not like... Do you remember Dalgleish went back to Liverpool for that couple of years? I think he won the League Cup, maybe. And I think at least he was involved in the club. This would be odd. It would be odd for the club to say, we, we, we don't want anything to do with you, Arsene, but now we're in massive trouble. We want you to, you know, um, do your thing. I mean, it would be embarrassing. I don't, I don't think the respect would be there now. I don't think... I probably... I don't know why he'd want to do it. 
I think he's probably earning a lot more in the FIFA job, having a lot more relaxation, been out of it for so long. I mean, it's it's a bit of a pipe dream because it'd be nice it'd be nice to see him, you know, do a little exhibition match, maybe uh, come manager for the Tottenham game, bit of a bit of a work experience or a little cameo <laughs> testimonial. But no, I mean, I just I mean we're talking about this this as if out of a job, but I'm telling you, we're going to be sitting here or standing. I don't know how you how you podcast uh, posture yourself. Um, in about a month, two months' time, and there'll be a different manager at Arsenal, or certainly no Arteta. That that I'm sure of. That I'm almost sure of. Well, you heard it here first. Sean Dyche for Arsenal. The campaign starts now. Absolutely. But yeah, from 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 your perspective, what do Arsenal need to do? Because I know you 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 kindly shared some messages with me um, from a close contact of yours who who was being a little bit fairer on Arsenal based on their. Um, that performance against Brentford? Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I think, I mean, I, I feel like Arsenal, where you are right now, in a way, it's sort of similar to the Spurs situation in that financially, you can't compete with the likes of Chelsea and City. No one can. So the only way is to try and be a bit smarter. And I guess what you're doing to an extent in terms of focusing around the youth is maybe the right thing to do, but maybe you just need, I think it was, you said this uh, maybe last time you spoke or before, that, you know, sometimes you just need the Johnny Evans in there. You know, maybe you just need, I think you need a bit of a clear out and maybe just a bit more experience kind of in all levels, in the dugout, on the pitch, maybe in the boardroom as well, and maybe kind of just accept the fact, kind of accept where you are, acknowledge that you're basically almost a mid-table team to, so that you can then plot the right way to get back and maybe, you know, look at what the, I think Leicester in a way, I've been a lot of people say this, but almost the model of how you, how you do things in terms of recruiting smartly and having kind of a sustainable process and approach. But I think the difficulty with Arsenal is that you, you have this, this fan base who have this memory who grew up with Arsenal being this title winning force that it's difficult to accept anything less than that. And maybe there isn't the, I feel like there's maybe not the patience at Arsenal for the process that maybe you would need to get back to the top again without there being some kind of takeover. I mean, maybe what you need is just that Spotify takeover to happen, have a bunch of money come into the club, and then you can compete again. Because I feel like otherwise you're kind of in a bit of a situation where you have a fan base that that grew up with instant success and so is going to demand that, even if that's not maybe possible at this moment in time. I don't know, because, I mean, the way I see it from the Spurs' perspective is, you know, you had a manager in Wenger who was your best manager of all time and was still winning you trophies pretty regularly. And, OK, eventually you dropped out of the top four, but you were you were better even in the late Wenger days than you were now, the same way you were better under Emery than you are now. And I feel like if you keep cycling through the managers, you're just maybe going to keep on regressing. So maybe what you do need is a bit of consistency. But at the same time, if Arteta's not up to it, then it's it's tough. I guess it's a question of how long do you give him? I feel like if it wasn't for that FA Cup win, he probably would have been sacked already. But then are there really good enough alternatives out there to make that worth it? Or is that just going to make how, it how, how can we give up on the season one game in? We have a chance right now to say it's not working. We can see it's not working. There's money to spend. Let's go make it work. You know, we can't. you can't go into a start of a season thinking it's over, you're not going to win a trophy and you're not going to get top six. I mean, it's 
It's madness. It's absolute madness. And that's what's frustrating is that they had the whole of the end of last season to plan because they knew it was a dead season. They knew we weren't going to be in Europe pretty much. They knew who we were going to get out, who we were going to get in. They should have had those negotiations. Bang, June or July 1st. Bang, you all go, you all come in, sorted, pre-season plan. And they haven't done it. And we were promised that. And maybe that's just uh, media stories being made up. But I think the club were briefing that this was going to be a big, big shaker summer. And it just feels like wasted time. And we're going to fall further and further behind. You know, United brought in Jose and he won them trophies. They decided it wasn't working with, with it didn't work with Van Gaal, really. It didn't work with Moyes. Giggs, very nice, but not really. And they went for it. And maybe that we're we're following the same path. Maybe Unai was our was our Van Gaal, uh, not our Van Gaal. Unai was our Moyes, and Arteta was our equivalent of Giggs. But we let him go into the Van Gaal days. And maybe now is our time. Like they went for Mourinho, we go for someone different, someone to win us things. Because now they use that as the catalyst to buy new players, to build up again. And now look at them; they're they're being talked about as part of the conversation again. And albeit, yes, they are a richer club, they have more of that kind of uh, reputation. I think the club Arsenal are, we certainly can get back to those heights if, you know, we make the right decisions because we know we can't compete with Chelsea and City, certainly. And Liverpool United, maybe just not enough, but you can make smart decisions. Leicester made smart decisions and, and, and have become a really good club. Tottenham are you know, have recent years, maybe maybe not so much past year or two, but, you know, they've made smart decisions without that budget. Even Aston Villa look like they are, albeit a very strange result um, against Watford the other day. Um, so, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just very frustrating as a fan to put but all I mean, that effort in as well, and, and this is what we're repaid with, I suppose. But, I mean, you could easily, I mean, how different would you feel if, if you go and beat Chelsea at the weekend? Because Arsenal have a pretty good record against Chelsea, mm. it seems like. And if you win that and, and then, you know, everyone's singing and dancing at the Emirates, then would, would the mood not, not change overnight? I think, no, I don't think anything would change now. The desire to get rid of the manager and change everything, even if you went and won against Chelsea and City, because it would all seem like a fluke, because there is no plan. And we're not going to. <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you that. We're just not going to. I, I, I just can't see it. I mean, I know Chelsea was the, the one last year that, that kind of changed everything, but they still had a very average lineup and they would start, you know, it was Frank Lampard's team. Um, and, you know, we can see now the players they signed last year who didn't settle in, really haven't settled in, didn't even need that year um, to show what they were. So, you know, this is a different beast of Chelsea as well. But I guess going on the spin, you know, I'm very anti-Arsenal based on that first game. How pro-excited Tottenham do you go based on that City result? Because, you know, as far as first games of the season, in terms of if you had one game that you need to win in the season, three points against City, keeping a clean sheet. I mean, what more do you want? Might as well, might as well give you the trophy now. Well, if, if they want to give us a trophy now, I'd be, I'd be very happy for that to happen. Let's just... Uh end the season now because we beat the champions that that makes us the champions um no I think I mean I'm feeling a lot better about Spurs than I was over the summer feeling a lot more excited a lot more positive but I think it would be silly to get too carried away we still don't know what's going to happen with the Kane situation 
if he leaves and we don't end up bringing in a Latoura Martinez or whoever, which doesn't look like it's going to happen, then we will still be, be worse off. Yes, Son and Mora and Bergwijn look like quite a good front three, but if you know Son in particular gets injured, might be a bit of a tricky situation. We do still have a lot of new players, you know, who've come in, new manager. I think it will still be a, a hard season, hard to finish top four, definitely hard to finish top six, even. But I think definitely there's the, the mood around the club has has changed. There's a there's a lot more positivity, um, but. I feel in a way it was a bit of a, I don't know. I mean, only, only time will tell. Like I said, I think Wolves will be tricky because it, it'll be their first home game of the season. And I think, you know, home advantage kind of came back with a vengeance at, at the weekend. I think mm. all but Burnley and Newcastle, they lost, but every, all the other home teams won. And we might see the opposite happen, you know, this weekend. All the teams now playing at home this weekend might win, potentially including Arsenal. And Wolves, you know, their new manager, he'll want to prove a point. And what bigger way to kind of prove a point than beating the guy who you've replaced? Um, you know, they lost to Leicester, but it seemed, you know, based on the highlights, quite narrow, quite unlucky to to lose that game. So that won't be easy. And then Watford, I mean, they're next at home. You'd expect us to win that, but they got that win over Villa. Uh, they're they're looking quite good. I mean, we said all three new teams would go down, but I mean, again, you can't read too much into the opening day, but looking at that, result and actually looking at Watford's fixtures I think they they've got a chance to kind of not save themselves in the first kind of five to ten games but they've got a you know not too bad run of fixtures there that they could put themselves in a good position so and we've got these Europa Conference League games of mm. course let's not forget the uh the prestigious uh Europa Conference League so this you could be the only club to ever win it well you know wh- why not let's go for it it's a chance to make a, a bit you know a bit of history I mean, we all know Jose Mourinho's Roma are going to be the team that knocks us out. But Absolutely. why, you know, why not go for it? Why not? Why not embrace that that opportunity? So, yeah, it's, I think, uh, it's it's interesting for you guys because if you don't win it, it's super embarrassing, and if you win it, it's like uh, everyone will say, "Well, it's just the Conference League." Well, yeah, I guess to an extent we can't win, but I guess I guess it depends how we approach it. I mean. I saw uh, earlier that apparently Nuno said none of the, the players who played on Sunday are going to play uh, tomorrow night. We're recording this on Wednesday. So it will be a, a very second string side. And I, I guess, want, you know, it, what happens? Imagine if it, you lose. Well, I mean, we could do. But I guess that's the thing. Like if you purely treat it as a game for the reserves and, and the youth youth team, then in a way, I guess that doesn't make it so embarrassing if you go out because you'd be like, well, look, we were just treating it almost as a kind of developmental thing. I guess it's more embarrassing if you go full strength and take it seriously and don't win it. But then, I don't know. I mean, no one knows what this competition is going to be like. I mean, it could turn out to be quite quite popular and quite entertaining and quite competitive for all we know. I mean, there will be some, you know, Roma obviously already in it. I'm sure there'll be some teams, decent teams dropping down from the Europa League as well, similarly to how teams drop into the Europa League from the Champions League. So by the time you get to the latter stages, it could be, you know, there could be some quite big teams there potentially. So given that in in your eyes, I know for sure, whatever happens, we can't win. Uh, In my eyes, then I feel like we can't lose because if we go out, it's a tournament no one cares about. But if we win it, well, then it is still a a UEFA, you know, European tournament and it's still a, a trophy. So... I guess either way, I guess as long as it doesn't affect our league form too much, then, you know, whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess the next couple of weeks will 
will tell us a lot probably you know have Spurs got through Europe have Arsenal got through that tough game run of games has Arteta kept his job who's signed who's left the club and I guess I mean we, we spoke about it last week but any 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 more inklings of what you need or want or what might happen? I mean, you mentioned Latoura Martinez. I mean, do you still think, regardless of what happens with Harry Kane, you need a proper striker to uh, start the season with or continue the season rather? Yeah, I think we definitely need a striker because all this talk about replacing Kane has distracted from what used to be the conversation, which is who do you have if Kane gets injured? I mean, we've apart from when we signed, I guess, Vincent Janssen and Fernando Llorente. We've never really had, I guess because we've had Jungman's son and he's always stepped up when Kane's not been there. And maybe awesome. maybe the answer is him just becoming the main man. Maybe that's it. But I think I'm, to, well, I'm to Vinicius. Well, yeah, I mean, once he's back wherever we got him on loan from now. I can't, he's back Benfica? on his own, own planet. Um, own planet. Somewhere in Portugal. Mm. I mean, he, he, he was, I quite liked him. I quite liked how he always did the... Uh, you know, the Mbappe celebration, <laughs> even when he was like scoring a tap in against Marine. I liked his dedication yeah. to the celebration. Um, but yeah, I think definitely we need a striker. I think another defender wouldn't go amiss as well. And if we do manage to shift Sizoko or Winks, then another midfielder. And it does seem like we've been linked to centre backs, midfielders, and strikers. So. And I guess it all depends as well on what happens with, with the Kane situation. But I feel like we could have maybe quite a late flurry of activity. Do you feel like Arsenal's business is done now that you've got Ramsdale and Odegaard in? I mean, it seems to me like, particularly with signing Odegaard, after all the links to kind of James Madison, it's basically like you're settling on on last year's <laughs> team. It's pretty much last year's team, yeah. plus the relegated goalkeeper for Sheffield United, plus Brighton's defender. Like, is that, I know there's Lukonga as well and Nuno Tavares, but I don't know, do you feel like your business is, is over? And if it is, do you feel like it's done enough to, to kind of take you that to that next step? Well, I think there, there seems to be this rhetoric around buying relegated players and whatnot. Listen, uh, and uh, I feel like I'm saying listen a lot. Very, very demanding, very assertive tonight. <laughs> um, so Alex Ferguson went and bought Antonio Valencia. You know, from a from a terrible Wigan side, and and look how well he turned out for him. So I don't think I, I think you know the profile has been consistent this summer. It's all been young players. It's all been players with high ceilings. So I think that it's data driven. I think that in terms of addressing the core, I mean, if you sign a centre back, a goal a goalkeeper, a centre back, a, le- a right uh, a left back, left winger, a centre mid, pretty good going in terms of numbers and you know we haven't let anyone go really that's too exciting um i think the right back thing is an issue and will be an issue unless we solve it but i don't think anything will change unless one of cedric chambers or bellerin goes looks like it will be bellerin sadly um but i just think i think it's just done now his arsenal journey um i think based on what will happen because my prediction is we'll lose the next two games is that We'll get to that deadline day and it'll be just before the international break and there'll be that hunger and that kind of fan fury that will pressure the club into making a, a semi-marquee signing again just to kind of end the window. And it could be that someone goes out like a Lacazette um, to make room for the money. And, and that's where I think a striker could come in. And, you know, it should have been that Tammy Abraham, could have been Danny Ings. I mean, you know, what a waste that was. 
I did say Oddie Watkins, and I, you know, I, I'm not sure they're going to want to part with him easily. As an Arsenal fan, you know, he's been demoted really with um, with Danny Ings coming in. That's the sort of thing we should be going for. You know, again, young um, knows the league. Who else is out there? I don't know, but I think that is probably going to be the key for this season. Is we can bring in someone who's going to be that exciting talisman striker. He's going to score the goals every week. You know, you know when you go on the BBC Sports, they say, oh, it's one nil Arsenal. Yeah, of course. I used to say, oh, of course it can be Sanchez or Van Persie. You know, it always was. Um, and we need that again. If we don't have that, it's going to be a long season trying to get Aubameyang to hit the target again. Um, I never thought I'd even say that because that, that was the easy part. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I don't think we're done yet. Um, but I think in terms of big names, probably, you know, Odegaard, is a good signing, I think. Ramsdale is better than Leno, in my opinion. So, famous last words, but I'll take it. It's it's something, I suppose. And uh, we'll see. We'll see her in two weeks' time, and I'll probably be saying the same thing again. Um, you know, at least I'll uh, at least I'll be two weeks older and more mature and wiser, and uh, hopefully a little bit calmer too. Well, speaking of strikers, I, I never, I never want to see Chelsea win. But if if Lukaku does make his debut against Arsenal, then I hope he uh, gets a hat trick or a brace or something. Especially because I've already brought him into my fantasy team, so it would be be doubly pleasing for me if that happens. Very kind, very kind. Well, I'll uh, I'll make sure to give Leno a word. Um, I'm sure he'll be willing to let in some goals at his near post or or flap at a couple of. Uh, crosses from Havertz or so. Uh, yeah, welcome to the new world, Arsenal. And in this world, it could be whatever you want. 